Welcome into the wrap, everybody. I am not Tom Mazaway. Uh, Ethan Perlman here, uh, joined by Stephen and Ellington as Tom Mazaway and Clarence Blacker. Off doing something. I don't know. I think Tom's visiting. They're off having fun. Yeah, I think Tom's visiting his family in New Jersey and Clarence. I don't, know where, training, I don't know man, where you, you know. are. I think He's in D.C., living it big, getting some training in, I, I think. I thought he told me he was going to Texas, oh, D.C. Oh. He's all over the map. He Jeez. is. He is. It's a global man. So we're going to be talking some Michigan football, Big Ten football. Go Blue. Love it. Go Bucks. I'm sorry. Oh, no, yeah. go Blue. Oh, go man. Bucks. But some interesting stuff happened today with uh, the Michigan head coach, Jim Harbaugh. And Ohio State's head coach, Ryan Day, uh, during a coach's phone call this morning with the Big Ten. We'll get to that. But we will also be joined by Anthony Broom, who writes for the Mason Brew, a Michigan football uh, outlet. And we'll talk with him about what his thoughts are about Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day's little spat this morning. And then what I really want to know. What's with Jim Harbaugh wearing cleats into somebody's house when he's recruiting? Because that just has me baffled. He's different, man. Jim Harbaugh is just he's just a different guy, man. But I feel like in most cases, especially when you're going to a recruit's house for an in-home visit like he was, I feel like just in general it's kind of rude to wear shoes into somebody's house. Like the first thing you do when you get there is you take your shoes off and all that. But the fact that he wore cleats, like that's like a whole nother level to and it. And the funniest thing is there were people asking, why was he wearing cleats? Well, according to somebody. He's obsessed with them. This was back in 2017 when they first oh, yeah. got the deal the Jordan. with uh, Jordans. Yeah. Is that he would wear cleats everywhere and anywhere and he wouldn't take them off. My whole my whole spat is, and I'm not a fashion guy whatsoever. Like, what, I, what are you I, talking about? Man? I never match. I never match, and I will be the first one to tell you. You always got the BG on. Though. I do always got Ooh. the BG on. If I don't have the BG on, I have the OSU on. Go Bucks. Oh man. But my whole thing is, do cleats really go with the khakis? Do khakis and the cleats go together? Because personally, I don't think I f- they I feel do. like the more specific question here is. Outside of, like, if you're a baseball player, football player, whatever, and you're actually, like, in uniform on the field playing, do they, should they go with anything? I mean, is that, is it really necessary that he wears them in the first place? Well, my, my question is, you just signed a deal with Jordan. You probably you got some off, sneakers. Man. No, nah. you probably got some sneakers. Okay. I okay. mean, let's be honest. Okay. These coaches, these players, they all get. a football get... coach. You know, they don't have football sneakers, you know. They got football cleats. So, my whole question is, though. Why the cleats? Why not sneakers? Um, because we know you got them. We know you got them. You can't tell me and otherwise, And I mean, if not, Jim. the guy makes like several million a year. He can probably afford to get like a nice pair of sneakers or something. Oh, no, he has some. I think I've seen him on the sideline a couple of times. Well, some nice what we can find out, because we have Anthony Broom on the phone right now. Uh, how you doing, Anthony? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So we are actually right now talking about the the story that came out a few days ago, and I actually read your article on it, where uh, the five-star offensive lineman recruit back in 2017 commented about Jim Harbaugh wearing cleats uh, to his in-home visit and how that was kind of a turnoff for him when it came to the recruiting process. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Well, um, as a homeowner myself, from that perspective... uh, don't wear shoes in the house. Don't wear cleats in the house, especially, you know, on hardwood floors. That's not cool. Uh, 
as far as the recruiting process. Uh, that's a little weird to me, especially when you see, you know, the same stuff, you know, in the same breath he's talking about how he didn't want to go to Alabama because Nick Saban wouldn't give him a hug. Thank you. Know, you. It was just always kind of an odd recruitment anyways. So, um, yeah, but, like, when you look at Jim Harbaugh's stories from the recruiting trail, this is probably, like, I don't know, maybe barely cracks the top ten of, of, like, the weirdest things we've seen so far. Yeah, and ha- hasn't Harbaugh in the past ha- uh, done sleepovers at some of these Sleepovers, <laughs> he climbed a tree of one yeah. of the recruits in their backyard. It may have been the same Man. situation, because I remember, I don't remember which situation it was between the two, but I know for a fact Quinn Nordine was one of them. I don't know if it was both, but I remember he was involved with one of them. Well, it worked. That's the case. I mean... So, yeah, it worked. I mean, whatever you got to do, I guess. Right, he's a committed guy. So, when it comes to the Michigan recruiting trail... um, we we've seen these past few years they they have brought in a good amount of talented players but are they lacking behind teams like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama because they don't have the accolades right now that some of these schools do or why why are they lacking behind these other power 5 schools when it comes to the recruiting trail yeah well actually you know it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting if you go back and you look through recruiting rankings. Michigan actually recruits pretty similarly to Clemson, and then you're talking about, and obviously, what's the biggest difference there? I mean, they've had Deshaun Watson, they've had Trevor Lawrence, they've had you know elite quarterbacks. To me, when you look at Michigan compared to a program like Clemson, I think that's kind of you know where the biggest the biggest discrepancy has been. Um, you know, Alabama and Ohio State, and, and really even. In the last couple of years, we've seen Georgia enter that conversation of, you know, they're just kind of lapping the rest of the country when it comes to bringing in five-star guys, bringing in those high four-star guys who are like on the fringe of being five stars. So, um, I think with Michigan, I, obviously, a lot of it has to do with what the pecking order is in their own conference. I mean, Ohio State, Ohio State is king right now, and they've continued to, to you know reign supreme. They've kind of even strengthened their grip probably a little bit more on the Big Ten in the last couple of years. So um, the fact of the matter is it comes down to, you know, what if you're a program like Michigan, how do you, you know, you're going to typically recruit somewhere in the top five to ten nationally, but to really kick things into high gear and recruit like one of these nationally elite programs, you have to win bigger games, and they haven't won enough of those games. I mean, the numbers are what they are. It's not. It's not ragging on anyone. It's not moving the goalposts on what the expectations are. Um, the road record against ranked teams and the record against top 10 teams kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, if you want to swing some of these recruiting battles where you're fighting with Ohio State or fighting with Alabama or Clemson or Georgia, whoever it is, uh, it's just a matter of breaking through at some point. We are joined by Anthony Broom of Mason Brew, Ethan, Stephen, and Ellington in the studio. There was another uh, battle today between Ohio State and Michigan, and today it came on the Big Ten coach's phone call when Jim Harbaugh accuses Ryan Day and the Ohio State coaching staff of holding uh, workouts on the field, instruction on the field, which right now would be violation of NCAA rules. What is what is your take on how this all transpired in this phone call this morning? Because I find it very interesting, and I did like Ryan Day's response of, let me worry about my team, you worry about yours. 
because I thought it was kind of an odd way to for Harbaugh to bring this up. Yeah, I I'm still not even 100 percent sure if this happened. I believe the story came out from a post on the Ohio State board. Um, it sounds like something that could happen. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh is a guy who um, he, he he's really staunch about like doing things by the book and. and Apparently, what this had to do with was there's a picture. There was a picture on social media somewhere where um, Ohio State's linebackers coach Al Washington was spotted doing instructional stuff on the field. Now Washington used to be on Harbaugh's staff. Uh, Ryan Day hired him away. Also hired Greg Madison away. So there's already some bad blood there. Uh, am I? This totally. This totally sounds like something that could have happened. Um, I'm not surprised by it at all. Uh, you know, especially with there being kind of the saltiness that there already is and the frustration around the rivalry. And, you know, the insinuation has always been there that, you know, from the Michigan end of things that maybe Ohio State isn't doing things by the book. So I don't know. I mean, like this is it's a totally plausible thing. I don't know how legit it is. Um, but when you come around and you say, oh, Ohio State, you know, Ryan Day told his team, they better hope there's a mercy rule because we're going to hang 100 on them. Like, well, you've already hung 63 and 56 in the last few years, so what's a few more points, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, when, when I when I heard this whole story this morning, the only thing that came to my mind is Harbaugh is just adding fuel to a fire that he wants he, no part he, of. He wants no part of, I and mean, he hasn't shown that he can war. overcome. You know, he's at war. You know, he got to do this, man. Harbaugh, he's not one to shy away. And, I mean, as a Michigan guy, I don't like the look of it. You know, I'm, I wouldn't say that because I'm sure all these teams are practicing ahead of time. But you at war, you know what I'm saying? It's just well, and, it my, is. and my whole belief is if you have a genuine concern that this is happening, I don't think you bring it up during that so-called phone meeting. If That's you got an issue with it, you call, it like you call, up, you call sure. up the commissioner in a private meeting yeah. and you say, hey, we have a feeling the Buckeyes are not following the rules. And this is why. But to do it in that that kind of that public yeah. forum setting, like what is even typically discussed in these like conference calls, like they're probably well, just I'm, talking. I'm about... assuming that it was more so about like the schedules being yeah, released mm-hmm, exactly. like yesterday, and kind of everything that's going to go into kind of preparing for the season, which starts on September 3rd, from what I read. And I believe either tomorrow or Monday is when they're supposed to actually start um, officially practicing. So I'm assuming it was kind of more about that and just kind of how they prepare moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, and, I know there are concerns there already about you know who's has people been getting extra work in and they're not supposed to like. Obviously, if you're if you're practicing right now, like whether like I said, agree or disagree with how Harbaugh brought it up again, I don't think it's a great look, especially after the last few years of how things have gone. But um, you know, if that is going on, like that is kind of a violation of the NCAA rules right now. So again, knowing that Jim Harbaugh is a is a steward of the rules and everything being fair. Um, like I said, it, uh, there being a, a dust-up or anything like that doesn't surprise me at all. And then the, big, the biggest thing for me, for Michigan, because I'm looking at their, their 2020 schedule, and the one thing that's always kind of been a miss for me when since Harbaugh's been there is he's never had really a true, talented quarterback. Now, you got McCaffrey and uh, Milton. M- Milton this year. I think vying for that starting job. Yep. I'm hoping that one of these guys is that legit star Big Ten starting quarterback yeah. that is worthy of being a starter at Michigan. Shea Patterson was not worthy of being the starter at Michigan. 
you say that twice. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that this really for them is the first time, and this is where it's a bummer that they didn't play any spring football, and that you know, like I said, camp is is starting. You know, there's twenty twenty nine days until games are scheduled to take place by the time the camp starts. Which, again, I'm not. If they even play this schedule as is, like I, I don't. I kind of have a feeling it's going to get pushed back a little bit if they do wind up playing, just because I just don't know if, if that amount of time is enough time to run a camp and you know quick turnarounds. You're still ha- hammering out you know safety protocols and things like that. But uh, this is Michigan, really the first time under Jim Harbaugh in earnest, where I think that both guys are going to be given an equal shot and have an equal shot to win the quarterback battle. Um, like I said, will they? Are either of them going to bust out and be this year's Joe Burrow if they play? I, I I wouldn't know if I'd go that far, but I think I think there's a path for them to to wind up being pretty good. I, I think at the very least, um, I think the floor is much higher there. I don't know how high the ceiling is with these guys, but I, I think whoever wins the job is going to be worthy of winning the job. Um, so that's. I think that the quarterback, the quarterback room, the talent, at least the talent that they have in there, uh, from top to bottom, is, is probably as high as it's ever been. And you know, I, I don't, I don't know if there were politics involved in, you know, Shea Patterson remaining the starter and things like that. Really, to me, the first time that they've they've had a tried and true quarterback battle that's been playing itself out. You just wish that they've had more time to do it. That's where I think spring football was really going to be important for them this year. Do you have a favorite of who you think uh, is going to come out between Milton and McCaffrey? Um, without any inside info, I would I would say McCaffrey at least to start camp, just because you know they're going to start things by you know the pecking order. Who's been there longer? I do think that McCaffrey will be given the leg up there, especially given um, you know I, I think there's a there was a point last season in that Wisconsin game where people forget that Shea Patterson was benched. And they went to Dylan McCaffrey. He suffers a concussion, and it pretty much knocks him out for half the season. I think, and then you know, by the time he comes back, Patterson was playing better down the stretch. So um, I think at some point they were ready to turn the page, and they've been ready to turn the page. But you know, the timing is just sucked. So those, those the head injury history kind of worries me. Uh, there's a couple of those going back to you know early on in his career now, but. If you were to ask me today who the who I think the guy would be if they play games, I do think it would wind up being McCaffrey. And we are talking with Anthony Broom of Maze and Brew, Ethan, Steven, and Ellington in the studio. Looking at Michigan's schedule for the season, I am very concerned about the first half of their season because, in my opinion, their first half of the season is so much more competitive than the back half games where they end the season with Maryland and Northwestern. And who really knows if we're ever going to actually make it to those games. But the biggest game on the schedule is October 24th, Buckeyes, Michigan, down in Columbus. And I think a lot of people really wonder, are we actually going to see that game this year? And was that game moved to the middle of the schedule so that there was more of a possibility of that game happening. Yeah, I'm. See, this is what was weird to me is we heard that with these new schedules, Michigan Ohio State wasn't going to be the last year, their game of the year. Okay, fine. But 
I thought it would be one of the earlier games in the year. Because it, it seems like, you know, if I were to guess how things kick off, I think the season has a better chance of kicking off and starting on time than it does, you know, finishing. So that's where, like, just moving it up to October is kind of odd to me. Um, but I do think the way the schedule worked out, um, like I said, I, you had mentioned about that first half being difficult. You open with Purdue at home. You go to Minnesota. I could see, you know, they have two bye weeks, and they really have another two bye weeks built in because um, the Big Ten could play that championship game anywhere from December 5th to December 19th. So maybe, you know, maybe Purdue and Minnesota get pushed to the back half of the schedule if they need some more time. I, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, I don't really know what the pecking order is going to look like because we're starting to see, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman at Minnesota opted out of the season earlier this year. He's the guy who might be a first-round pick at wide receiver. So Jacob Ponachuk at Michigan State, one of their best players, opt out. Micah Parsons, who's another immensely talented player at Penn State, just opted out before we got on the call here. So who's to say, you know, we're talking Michigan, Ohio State, and things like that. What if, you know, what if Justin Fields, a guy who might be a top-five pick at quarterback, decides, you know what, I'm going to opt out this I don't feel safe this year. I'm just going to prepare for the draft. So I really do think when you look at the schedule, like the schedule is great. We have a schedule. We know at least tentatively what things might look like. But I don't know if we'll truly know what the outlook is until we find out, you know, who who some of these guys, because they're going to be more opt-outs. I think there's going to be a lot more opt-outs. So personally, Personally, as an Ohio State fan, as much as it would hurt me to see Justin Fields opt out, I would completely get it. And I would actually be very curious to see these two incoming freshmen battle it out for the starting job because they both got tremendous talent. But it would hurt if Fields decided to opt out, but I would completely get it. He's a top-five pick in the draft next year. For sure. The only positive he might get from playing the season would be to prove he is better than Trevor Lawrence and possibly be that number-one quarterback selected. But that's all he has to gain is that status of can I be the number one quarterback selected yeah I would agree with that and then like I said it's going to be such a weird year anyways where you know you talk about how you know whoever wins Michigan starting quarterback battle it's probably you know whoever wins it has multiple years of eligibility remaining so it doesn't only affect this season it, it probably affects next year too and uh, like like in a case like you just laid out with Ohio State if, if Fields isn't there you have guys battling it out for the job, and then they're getting game reps this year. Maybe that affects the trajectory of next year, too. So it's one of those things where I think that when you look at team expectations, fan expectations, I think people will temper those and just in and take any football we get because anything we do get is gravy, assuming it's safe. Um, I think it would be a lot easier for fans to kind of step back and take the season for what it is, whatever happens. Um because it's going to be a weird year if, if it does go through as they've kind of planned it right now. So it might just be kind of a – maybe it'll be a season that matters, but it might be more of like an exhibition-type thing than, than you'd ever seen before in a season like this, especially if, you know, we're, we're seeing pro prospects drop out all over the place. And it's, it's really going to be about a lot of these programs just getting game reps for those other guys. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be wild if, if it winds up going down like that. And – 
my last question for you, Anthony, is because I just saw this article a little while ago. It had to do with Penn State saying that they are not going to have any fans in the stands for any game this year. And we always know that when they have their whiteout games and they have their, you know, their games where they get, you know, sold out arena, it's loud as heck. We're going to see a lot of stadiums with no fans or maybe 10 to 15 percent capacity. We're really going to finally, I think, see how much the fans and that stadium and the noise actually impact a game. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, without question. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been on the field uh, at Ohio state before and and after like it's, you go to a place like that. That's the line that's you're going to the lion's den. Um, Penn state, another, another place like that. Iowa night games at home are crazy there. So um, home field advantage is, is more of a factor in college football than I think pretty much any other sport. So the fact that, I mean, you still, there's still the mental stuff for the traveling teams in terms of you have to travel and you have to get there and you're playing in a different venue, but, um, you know, it's more, it's going to be more like a neutral field than it's ever been. So that's, like I said, I, I don't expect, I'd be surprised if there were fans in the stands at all, if they do play, but yeah, you're going to, I think it kind of you might see some more chalk this year just across college football and a lot less of those maybe upsets here and there. And something that Stephen had sent to me earlier today had to do with the uh, Big Ten players uh, forming a union, not a union, but a unity yeah, type as a, deal. Yeah, as a group, yeah. Would you like to share that, Stephen? Um, yeah, so yesterday after they announced the um, release of the Big Ten schedules, the Big Ten players unity group that they started, which was originally centered around kind of the racial injustice and just injustices in general um, for college athletes and kind of combating that. They kind of morphed it yesterday and kind of expanded that into this whole thing with the COVID schedule being released and kind of their um, statement on it and their kind of position on it and their kind of demands that they want to see met with that as they move forward into training camp and into the season in September. And the group was actually um, started about a month or so ago by Michigan defensive back Hunter Reynolds and former Michigan defensive back who's now currently with Minnesota, uh, Ben St. Juice. They started this together. And it's actually kind of similar to the one that the Pac-12 players started about a month or so ago as well, around the same time as that. But really, I thought the statement was very interesting by them. And there was a lot of really good points that they brought up in it. And I'm going to try and pull it up here in just a second. But basically, it was like, we will play, but we want to make sure that we're being taken care of and the right precautions and things are being put in place for us to be able to perform at the highest level like we're being expected to do. So here's some things that were kind of highlighted in their um, statement that they made. It says that while we appreciate the Big Ten's recently announced plan for the upcoming season, we believe that the conference proposal falls short in certain areas. We are deeply disappointed by the lack of leadership demonstrated by the NCAA with respect to player safety during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And then it says we feel compelled to state our concerns in this public forum to ensure that we are taken seriously as we call for clarity, uh, commitment and action. We are united in our commitment to secure the well-being of all college athletes. So I think this is actually a really interesting thing, and I'm uh, interested to see what they do with and kind of how they work with the conference and the different uh, universities individually to kind of come together on this and see kind of where it leads us going into the season. Anthony, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think when you look at that proposal, like I said, one of the more interesting things to me about 
this entire year, you know, pandemic aside, has been, you know, college athletes realizing that they have a voice and the power that their voice carries. And, you know, when you look at, you know, that's, that, that's not just with the COVID and the safety protocols that goes to, you know, some of the social justice stuff from earlier in the summer and, 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 you know, being stewards of change in their communities and on their campus. You look over that list of proposals and we, you know, we did something on it. It's, uh, I don't think anything they're asking is unreasonable. Um, they just want to be safe. They want you know, guarantees where, you know, I saw there was some outcry about them asking for big free Big Ten Network for their families. I don't even think that's an unreasonable ask because your art, like your your families were coming to your games and now they can't come to your games and you just want to be able to watch them. I don't think that's so outlandish to ask for. So, like I said, I, I think it's a smart group of guys. I think that, you know, over, it's backed by over a thousand Big Ten athletes from um, I don't think it's just football, but, you know, if you look at all the protocols that they're asking for, none of it's unreasonable. And some of it might not be entirely feasible. If that's the case, you really have to sit back and ask yourself as an administrator, like, if we can't provide this, how can we power through and play a season? So, like I said, I think, uh, you know, I, I'd wish it wasn't still a talking point 29 days away from kickoff, because it seems like we should be further along here. But it's good to see that the students are, are taking, you know, taking steps to make sure that if they play this year, that that they know that their conference has their backs and isn't just using them for revenue. So. Well, I want to thank you for joining us, Anthony. It was a pleasure having you on. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Of course, anytime. Thank you. For Steve and Ellington and myself, this has been The Wrap.